This program is designed to provide general information with regards to the subject matters covered. This information is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, sponsors, or station are engaged in rendering any specific and personal, medical, financial, legal, counseling, professional service, or any advice. You should seek the services of competent professionals before applying or trying any suggested ideas. Woodbury Reports, with your host, Lon Woodbury, talking with leading professionals about how parents and others can help their struggling teens, preteens, and young adults. Now here's your host, Lon Woodbury. Welcome back to the Woodbury Report. I'm Lon Woodbury, located in North Idaho. Here is where we talk to knowledgeable people about all things involved with struggling young people and the programs that try to help them. Today we're going to try to talk about uh, parents, anxious parents, helicopter parents, and uh, does that get into the way, does that help the kids, and various questions like that. My guest today is Alexis Avila. Now Alexis is uh, founder of Prepped and Polished, a tutoring and test preparation service. He has frequently appeared in major media outlets, writes a blog, produces podcasts, and is a test prep expert for Answers.com. Well, good afternoon, uh, Alexis. Uh, good to have you here. Delighted to be here, Lon. Thanks for having me. Okay. Well, let's get started on this. Uh, we're talking about parents, anxiety parents. I think most people are aware of it. There's a lot for parents to be anxious about. But uh, my understanding is that in your practice and the parents over the last 12 years that you've been talking about or talking with uh, has been primarily entering college or perhaps going to a boarding school or something like that. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I would say the lion's share of the work I've done over the last 12 years is mentoring, tutoring students one-on-one, um, helping them get ready for like those SATs, ACT, those college admission tests. And then another huge component of our practice is getting those 7th, 8th, and sometimes ninth graders get ready for a private school admission test okay. and private school. Yeah. Well, uh, my, my primary focus and interest is struggling teens. I presume you get a few of those. And incidentally, for my listeners, if, you'll, if you're listening on the website to the down below on the right, there's something called general chat. And if you click on that, you can ask us questions and, and uh, uh, Alexis can uh, try to answer them. So uh, uh, be sure to keep that in mind. Well, when parents are anxious, that's a very broad question, and particularly if the kids are having some struggles, what are, they, what are the parents commonly anxious about? What are the uh, things that you've found in working with the parents that they're generally anxious about? The parents are anxious about uh, make, ensuring that their kid gets into the best college, private school, next step uh, school 
as possible. And they, they, they re, I, I don't know, you know, I think that they just struggle, you know, just trying to, you know, sometimes let the chips fall where they may, but they just, I think that's what they're really anxious about. They want to make sure they're, they want to make every, each, each parent thinks that their kids can get into Harvard. Yeah. Harvard uh, doesn't really agree with them that often though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so they put this pressure, you know, on themselves, they put the pressure on the family and the kids and it just causes this anxiety, you know, just to get, you know, to make sure, you know, they, they're just trying to control every facet in the process, but there's just, and there's, there's a lot involved when you're applying to schools that sometimes they just let their emotions get the best of them and then everybody just kind of loses it, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, let's speculate a little bit. Uh, speculate a little bit about our society because I know when I was of college age, I, was, I looked at some of the competitive schools, but I wound up, I was raised in Idaho, and so I wound up going to the University of Idaho, which was a good default position, a decent education, but it wasn't a, a Ivy League or anything like that. And, it's, and uh, I didn't see the pressure to go in the top-notch schools, the, you know, the Ivy League or Harvard or things like that among kids that I hear now. So what's happening in our society? Is it uh, gotten a little overboard and everybody trying to get into Harvard? Yeah, I think that uh, I think that that's part of it. I think that a lot of you know, um, you know, there's a population boom going on. There's there's a lot more kids, it seems, um, and 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 there's 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 not as many slots available to get in some of these top tier colleges. So then, you know, everybody's just trying to vie for like let's say like a thousand spots, you know, um, and and in in and by doing that, I think that a lot of these families lose perspective that there are thousands and thousands of well suitable homes, quote unquote homes that, that their kid would be very happy and, and successful, uh, going to. So, um, I don't know. I, I just think that, you know, another, another thing is I think that we just live in a, a very, materialistic, uh, society now. I think that everybody's just trying to kind of keep up with the Joneses. Okay, yeah, it's very com very competitive, and so there's a lot of competition to get into that. And yeah, keeping up with the Joneses, I I, I think there's a lot of uh, situations where the parents, oh, if a kid doesn't get into Harvard, our image will be ruined, or something, or something like that. Definitely. Um, and then another thing is that, you know, I mean, I was raised in Michigan. It, um, it's different than New England, I, and 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 I'm out of the Boston area. And man, these New England families are very um, competitive academically. Um, you know, we have a lot of families here who, you know, where the, the parents went to Ivy League schools. And because they went to an Ivy League, it's almost like it's expected that their kid gets into to the same school dad went to. But not everybody can get into Dartmouth just because the dad went there. Well, and, and it uh, ignores the interest of the kid. If you have a kid that likes nature and uh, uh, going into forestry might be a good choice, uh, they're going to do much better at University of Idaho, University of Montana than they are at Harvard. Oh, absolutely. There, there's no question about it. And again, I think it just goes back to while everybody's worrying about what their neighbor is doing, you know, hiring college, hiring all these private coaches and tutors and this and that, they're losing perspective on, you know, what would make the kid happy, mm -hmm. you know? 
Okay, well, tell a little bit of the stories about some oh, that come to mind about parents that you, that you've worked with and the anxiety and how did it come out? What did it look like to you as a uh, as a as a tutor or a professional working with them? Well, usually, um, like I had a I had a student, you know, not too far from Boston, like a suburb of Boston, recently, who came to us with a a nineteen ten SAT score which, you know, is, you know, like 650s across the board. It's a pretty darn good score. It'll get you into some really good schools, um, you know, not Harvard or anything, but, you know, I mean, she's, you know, she, most families would be, be, be happy with those scores. So she came to us with really good scores. But the dad was so harsh. Um, he sat down with us in front of the daughter and he dominated the whole conversation. And he just said, look, and this is a Harvard MIT guy. Uh, and he just, for an hour, he talked about what, you know, how we're going to tutor the daughter, you know, what her learning style's like, you know, what, and then, you know, how she's so busy with her life. And, but still she needs to, you know, spend, you know, dozens of hours on SAT and ACT prep. And, on t- you know, it, and that, you know, the tutor needs to check in with her, you know, during the week. Um, and then what happens is we start tutoring the, the, the girl who was very nice, by the way, and kind of quiet and shy. And you could tell like the daughter was a little anxious, but the daughter had ended up not doing any homework. And then when she took the test, she didn't do that well. And, and, and the daughter's reason was she was overwhelmed she had like finals, she had plays and rehearsals and extracurriculars. And then the dad was just so pissed off. He just started like yelling at the daughter, you know, they start, he started yelling at us, you know, how dare, you know, she, she needs to get a perfect score, this and that, and this and that. But he didn't understand that she's, she has a lot on her plate already. She has a pretty acceptable score already and it's going to take time for her to improve her score. It's just not like a magic pill she can swallow and she's going to get a perfect 2,400. So I don't know if this is an example of a dad who is necessarily anxious, but it's definitely like, I think in the same like umbrella of, of, of negative emotions that a lot of these, some of these parents have, which is unrealistic, you know, expectations for their child, you know, um, and, and, and the dad is obviously, you know, was dealing with, with very negative, uh, emotions and, uh, and, and the daughter, and I think as a result was, was very anxious because of the dad. Okay. Well, that gets us right into my next question in ways that parents can sabotage their kids. It sounds like the girl was not doing as well on the test because of the pressure from her dad. I honestly, yeah, Absolutely. Um, you know, the, you know, I mean, the dad, I mean, you know, that, that's obviously like, you know, an extreme dad, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, but, you know, when, I mean, I've been doing this 12 years and when you, it's just not right when you're sitting down in a meeting with a father and a student and the only one doing the talking is the father. I mean, is he taking the test? Last time I checked, he's not taking it. So he has all these opinions you know, he has all these opinions about what's good for everybody, but, but then it doesn't work. So his, 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 his opinions, I mean, his uh, strategy is ineffective. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I think, yeah, you know, so. 
Well, uh, we we have a listener that's uh, making some comments, and first off, that says, "Well, let the kid be themselves," and uh, then let's see. Never reach up to dad's expectations. He shouldn't set goals <laughs> too high for her. I bet if you'd lay off her, she could do better. That's what we already commented on. Uh, dad has issues. Well, yeah, duh. And I bet he couldn't measure up, so he pushes her harder. Maybe it's uh, it's speculating here, but maybe some parents get into it. they are uh, projecting their own aspirations onto their onto their child. Does that sound uh, something you've seen often? Yeah, I mean, you know, comment comment one and comment two are right on the money, by the way. And what you're saying is right on the money as well. I mean. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying, like in New England, we have we have a lot of Ivy League schools around here and we have a lot of parents who've, been, who've gone to Ivy League or have an uncle or a brother who's gone to an Ivy League. And all of a sudden they think their daughter is, is, is a shoe in for Harvard. But, you know, they, they, didn't, they don't think about what's best for the student and they, they just it, it's really about them. I think there's a selfish element going on here with the parent just thinking about themselves, to be honest. Huh. Uh, it, now, you mentioned and talked about New England, and I can see that because uh, boarding schools and Ivy Leagues are more of a tradition there. How about the rest of the country? have any indication of the same thing going on elsewhere around the country? Uh, it's hard for me to tell because I'm kind of here, you know, behind behind a computer screen in South Natick. Um, but, but um, you know, it's a little bit more, I mean... You know, when if you go to like big cities, like I, I think, like you know the, um, you know where there's where's a where there's a pretty wealthier, you know, demographic. I think that some of these parents tend to be a little bit more, you know, um, you know, um, competitive, uh, anxious, uh, you know, high unrealistic expectations like you know because they're they're rich they're wealthy that their kid you know needs to go go to the best school or this and that so i think that if you go to like you know out if you go to like you know san francisco or you know i don't know like a beverly hills or like a new york city manhattan i mean that's where you get the real paranoid families to be honest with you now that being said i'm from michigan um, and I'm saying this from because I know like growing up in Michigan, there wasn't this like societal pressure as much. I mean, it, it was a little bit more of a, uh, you know, um, expectation that, you know, I mean, let a kid be a kid. <clears throat> That's more of it. And I guess a little bit less metropolitan area. But I can see even here in North Idaho, which is pretty rural, I can see a little hint of what you're talking about, a little taste of it. Some parents, uh, particularly professional parents, sometimes get pretty... Uh, a lot of pressure on the kid. Uh, but again, our comment here on the chat, uh, it's never too late for the parent to try to do their own things. They should live their own lives. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And, and and I gotta be honest, to, to piggyback that comment, a lot of parent I mean, I see a lot of parents with no lives, to be honest. I mean, they they their only life life is, is through their kid. It is is you know, all all they do is just worry, consume about, you know, their kid's college application. I'm not saying they're doing the college application, the essays for the kid, but they're just more consumed about that. And I just don't see them, you know, taking up hobbies, you know, that would just, you know, get them to chill out a little bit, relax. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I could, uh, on my situation, I fully believe in letting the kids do it themselves and the parents provide support. And I had uh, one daughter. Uh, here we are, a small town of 2,000 people, and she got the idea that she wanted to, uh, she had some colleges she wanted to go to, and uh, we didn't pressure her. It was all her decision, and she got herself into uh, uh, Barnard which is part of uh, Columbia, the girls' school, one of the seven sisters. She got herself into there, and she did pretty well. She did that on her own, and I think that makes a big difference, too. She did it because she wanted to rather than how dad or mom wanted her to do. And, and Lon, is this your kid or somebody you work that's with? My, that's my kid. That's my kid. One of my oh, kids. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that, and I'm sure we're going to touch upon this a little bit, but I, you know, I, I've known, I've met you, you know, talked to you quite a bit, Lon, and, you know, I think that, you know, I think that's a reflection on good parenting. I think that you've given her a little bit of space to grow and try to figure out what she wants and not, not doesn't want, and and she ran away with it, and she, she took some good lessons out of it, and, and what I see is that parenting will dictate how a child is going to respond to the college application process. Okay, well, well uh, some examples or uh, explain that a little bit more. Well, uh, you know, I have, um, you know, I mean, I've been doing this 12 years full time uh, working with families. And now I'm, I've seen kids who've come into my office at seventh grade and now they're adults. Um, so I, I've seen these kids are going to do well. Uh, they usually end up going to a good school. Um, and, and when you look back at it, it's the, the, the parent, the parental anxiety was kind of an unnecessary, you know, emotion, uh, in the, in the whole process that could have been avoided. So, you know, I mean, I have, you know, families who don't are just a little bit more relaxed, uh, during the process and they just say, Hey, if a kid, you know, I want my kid to do the best he can on the SAT. And, and they say, they tell me, they say, say, Alexis, you know, I want to hire you as a tutor. I want you to help. I want you to do the best you can. I, I want you to help my student, but I'm not expecting miracles with my kid. I mean, she's not a great test taker and I think she's going to do really well. Like the parent tell gives you confidence. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. oh, and, yeah. and right when I have a parent talk to me like that, I know, first of all, I know I'm going to enjoy working with them. I mean, from a selfish standpoint, but I know that the kid is probably pretty well functioning because she has kind of a nice, healthy self-esteem and healthy uh, realization that everything's going to fall into place for her. She's going to do well, you know? Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the fallout because I... Um, my assumption is that when a parent puts pressure on the kid, they don't do as well. And I imagine some of them even get into rebellion. I'm not going to do any of this. I'm going to go wash dishes or something. Uh, you ever run into any rebellion from the kid like that when the pressure gets too much? Oh, yeah. Or is that your, is that your job to try to forestall that or, or keep it from falling that far apart? Yeah, I mean, that, that is my job. I mean, I, I, you know, I try to, you know, I try to calm the student down as much as I can try to calm the parent. I, and I do a lot of that, that kind of stuff. But um, how do you, how do you, how do you do that? Uh, you know, how do you calm, let's start with the student. What do you do and what do you say? And I know it varies by an individual, but what do you say to calm the child when they, that kind of anxiety is floating and filling the room? 
Uh, I use positive reinforcement. Um, that seems to really work well with students. Um, it works well for me. Um, you know, I, I mean, I was a middle child growing up, so I was kind of like the peacemaker, you know, my, my, I have an ability just to kind of sense when the tension's getting thick. So what I do is I use positive reinforcement. So if a student misses a problem on a test and starts to get really down, you know, maybe he has like some OCD tendencies. He's like, well, you know, scratching his his head and he's saying, well, I really miss this one. And he's starting to get really down on himself. I'm going to be the first one to say, look, you missed a problem. But remember, we got to look at the big picture. You, You know, you're going to be rewarded by finishing the whole test and getting as many as you can. You know, don't get hung up on just one little measly question. Let's look at this as a marathon. You know, um, you're going to get the next one. I, I, I believe in you. You know, another thing is, you know, you can't do what I'm doing unless you, be, you, you believe in the kid from the inside out. I mean, I, when it's, I look at a kid, you know. It sounds like one of the first things you do is, is uh, in that situation, instead of the, like the one example of the father that was dominating, get the parent and the kid separate so you can just talk just to the kid. Yeah, I mean, if I, honestly, if I had my way, I would not want to have to deal with parents at all. I mean, because I, I'm I'm in this business to deal, to talk to kids, you know, and and mm-hmm. to give them ho- and to give them hope and and give them some self esteem and confidence that you know these teenage years will get better, you know, um, and they have a whole lifetime of just you know you know, living the life of their dreams. So I take a silver lining bright side approach. I, I, you know, that's just my style. And, and I believe, I believe in the kid. And after 12 years of tutoring, I know that the kid will three things, a end up going to a good school. It might not be Harvard, but they're going to get into a good home. Uh, you know, B uh, number two, I think they they get into a good, they'll have, they'll find a good internship or a job. And then the third thing is I, most of my kids have a successful life, you know, whether or not the parents are anxious, they're going to, they're going to end up doing kind of what they want to do. And isn't that the goal? So what, what was the whole anxious anxiety for? Like, how, how did that help the situation? So I try to help everybody see a big picture approach here. Mm-hmm. How do you calm the, calm the parents? And I have a couple of things there, uh, you know, how to calm the parents. Uh, first part of it, do parents have unrealistic, unrealistic expectations? And yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. And mm-hmm. uh, another part of it, I'm assuming parents like that will also discount the children's real success. They might, they might do real well, but it's not perfect, and so the parents are upset. And again, going back to that first example. But, uh, so what do you do to calm the parent, and how do you handle them? The uh, person on the, uh, the chat line says, how about, uh, they ask, have you ever just wanted to tell a parent to back off? Yeah, I have. I have wanted to tell a parent to back off. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, that sometimes telling them to back off backfires. <laughs> yes. Um, well, you, you got to be diplomatic about it, of course. You, yeah. So what I do, um, and it seems to work, um, is I, you know, and I listen to them. Um, the, you know, the people parents? Are, I listen to the parents. You know, I, I let them talk. I let them vent. I, I let them talk because a lot of the times I think that parents are just, you know, I mean, they're just like, they just need somebody to talk to. They, I think that they're just anxious because they're just kind of worried or, or whatever. 
but I, I just let them do a, a whole lot of talking. I take notes, you know, um, and then I look at them in the eye and I say, and I, and I, and I, I tell them, I hear your concerns, but now this is the best suggestion I have. I'm an expert. So you need to listen to me. And, and I just try to create a respectful relationship. Um, you know, that, that is why I was having a very difficult time with that father. I was talking about at the beginning of the show who dominated the conversation, did not allow me to, you know, offer my professional expertise. I knew that was a big problem when, when that happened. You can't, you can't have a, a social dominator, you know, when we're, when you're dealing with a, a child, just trying to, you know, find a good, good college, you know? Um, so, you know, back to the parent, I also let them know that, you know, if we, I say, look, you know, we're going to try the best we can here. You know, we're going to try to find, you know, we're going to try to help your kid get a better grade or, or a better test score. I'm going to give them homework. I'm going to hold the kid accountable. Um, and, and if, if, if our plan is not the best plan for that student, we'll change it. But most of all, I just calm them down, down by listening carefully and sometimes, you know, a parent won't stay calm no matter what I say, you know, what, what we do. And, and that's when I know we have a problem. When the parent doesn't stay calm after you listen to them. <laughs> you know, you're, I was, while you were talking, I was thinking some examples. And, uh, and maybe, uh, uh, maybe my experience as an educational consultant working with special needs kids uh, might be more of uh, a little bit along the line. But I remember when I was at admissions at a... Uh, what's now called a therapeutic boarding school, and then it was referred to as an emotional growth boarding school. Um, we had a little girl come in. She was 15, sophomore, and it was all messed up. And uh, when I looked at the records, she was starting to see psychiatrists and tutors and about the age of three or four when it started. And she had a file a couple inches thick of all the reports and the poking and the prodding that went on. And, uh, and that, that was probably, uh, that could have been from some parents that were overly anxious and w- went the uh, therapeutic route as well as probably the education route. And by the, by the time she was 15, the girl needed a highly structured therapeutic boarding school in order to straighten her out. Uh, and I think the the, the, the parents and the expectations, spoken or unspoken, was probably part of that. And uh, I think in my work, I've seen a number of uh, uh, kids who uh, maybe had been to a tutor, somebody like yourself, but it didn't work. The parents kept pushing, and the kid fell apart to where they really needed some, some uh, emotional intervention in order to uh, straighten it out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I you know, I had a kid who, I mean was, you know, the mom hired me, you know, Sunday all day to tutor him and, you know, uh, you know, to to have him take a practice test with me and then do like some hours after correcting the practice test. And the kid just broke down in tears, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it's the kid needs just to get a, you know, an ice cream cone, you know, or just needs to get outside and, and take a deep breath and, you know, just, just get back to the basics. Um, I think that sometimes, you know, there's a, you know, I think that, I think there's study time, but there's also study break time. Yeah. And, and maybe even a little time for play. I know in, in the therapeutic settings, uh, oftentimes, uh, uh, the play gets a kid distracted from their issues or their problems, which might be school and, uh, and, and it recharges them. 
on that. So you listen to the parents. So to calm the parents, you listen to them. Try to understand that probably a lot of the parents' uh, anxiety is coming out of fear. Fear what the neighbor did say. Fear that the kid might not succeed. Fear of all kinds of things uh, on that. And uh, well, let's ask another question. What do parents stress out the most over? Is it, uh, you know, we talked about schools and, you know, getting into the top-notch college. But what are some other things they might stress out over that they've expressed? Well, I mean, I'm kind of in the business of just, you know, working on, you know, helping kids with grades and, and ac- it's academics. Um, uh-huh. So, so I, kn- I know that they're just really stressed about their kids, you know, futures, um, you uh-huh. know, and, and, and achieving their potential. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, I think that I'm dealing, I deal with parents who, you know, not necessarily went to like, you know, a, an Ivy league school. I think I'm painting like a, you know, that, that's kind of a rare example, but I do have, you know, like parents who like might, might've been a doctor or, or their doctors or, or something like that. And I don't know if you know any doctors in your family, but my dad's a doctor and he has some of the worst OCD tendencies known to man. I mean, the guy is just so he has to, everything has to be so organized. He can't leave the house until he does X, Y, and Z. And I think that that OCD type of mentality, when you, when you're dealing with a parent like that, they expect the, the kid to be that organized and, and, and methodical and meticulous. And it's not fair because not a lot of people are like that. So, uh, I think that, I mean, I, I think that parents just, want the same success they they had and they want to kind of carry out their legacy i think legacy is really important here you know we're dealing Uh with kind of like you know dealing with new england families you know you know you know i'm a ewing well my you know my son is going to be is a ewing as well and what does that mean that means that you know he must you know make the continue the family fortune you know for decades and decades and decades you know so i think that there's just kind of like this you know, it's keeping up with the Joneses and, and, um, you know, um, but, and, and making, and, and the anxiety is just, they want their kid to be, be Einstein, you know, <laughs> I, oh, I don't yeah. know. Absolutely. It, I think it starts with a perfect baby and it continues on. How successful yeah. are you with parents? Do generally you get them to get realistic and uh, and uh, reduce the anxiety, or do you have to work around it? Is it always there? Or, or what's been your experience? Well, my experience is, is parents have unrealistic expectations for their child. Um, um, some of them, some don't, and I can talk mm-hmm. about that a little later because I think that's silver lining in all this. Um, but you know, I had an international student uh, in Singapore recently, um, and the family is an Upper West Side Manhattan family, um, you know, super loaded, um, you know, and the parents were scared. Um, they were, they, they, they used those, those words in, in the emails, in, in, in like the novel long length emails to me late at night saying they're just scared that, you know, they're, they're scared that their child's going to be behind in this race and this, the race to the, to the top, to the top of the mountain, so to speak, proverbial mountain, because they were scared because this kid was, is, was stuck at an American international school in Singapore. 
parent, the parents were uh, working in Singapore, relocated Manhattan family in Singapore. And they were worried that the kid was going to fall behind because all of his friends were at these ritzy private New York schools, you see, on -hmm. the fast track to, on the fast track to the Ivy League schools, you know? So the mom said he must get a perfect score, Alexis. He has to get 99 percentiles. And, you know, right away I'm thinking, oh gosh, I'm dealing with one of these people because, you know, I mean, I haven't even seen this kid yet. And not a lot of kids are going to get a 99th percentile. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, I've been doing this 12 years and I can just count on one hand, you know, sometimes this kid, the kid can do that, but it's, I mean, the kid's probably a 60th percentile, 50th percentile. I don't know. I don't know yet. I have to have to test him out. Well, it's so, so be it. He, 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 he was a pretty good test taker, but he was like a 60th percentile in the math. And then he got like an 80th percentile on the reading, which is fabulous. And, uh, and then his verbal might've been behind the eight ball a little bit. It might've been around like the 40th percentile. So the mom was just scared, anxious, just, just, you know, just how, you know, he needs to get 99th percentiles. What, what, you know, and all, all the while the kid has anxiety issues. Well, sure. You know? Oh, absolutely. Uh, that that'd so, be a crazy maker. Yeah, because when test day came, the kid froze. So, you know, if the parent in this case kind of had more realistic expectations, she would see that, hey, this kid got an 80th percentile on the reading. You know, there's going to be lots of nice private schools who are going to accept them. Mm-hmm. You know, it might not be Deerfield, you know, but the only reason she wanted to go to Deerfield is because her rich neighbor, her, her son was applying to Deerfield. So all of a sudden they're keeping up with the Joneses. They're not thinking about what's best for their particular unique child. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Lon. I mean, maybe this kid needs to go out in the wilderness and do something, one of those things. Cause he likes nature, you know? So I don't think sure. these, these parents, parents think about these things. How, how successful, and this is sort of similar to the question I asked before, but how successful are you to, uh, at getting parents? Do you have some uh, silver lining stories, the ones that you've managed to turn around and get them realistic? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, go ahead. Know, Let's hear uh, some. Well, we got, you know, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I, it's, it's pretty much all the other students, <laughs> but, um, you know, we've had, you know, we've had kids, you know, um, who, you know, like a, like a mildly anxious, you know, not so great test taker, uh, here in town who, you know, was a dancer, um, and, um, you know, you know, pretty decent, decent or to low S, you know, SAT, ACT scores. And, and we saw her once a week, um, about three to four months leading up to her test. And, uh, the mom, the mom was, was pretty anxious and you could tell she was anxious cause she was on the phone a lot with us and, you know, saying, Hey, you know, did she do her homework? And, the, and I was like, Mrs. You know, Mrs. Smith, you know, I sent you the, the session report. If you read that, she did her homework. That's what she did. Blah, 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 blah. So she was just kind of going over, a little over the top, but, um, but yeah, so she, you know, so this student was a little anxious. Um, she had a lot on her plate with the dancing. She's a pretty competitive dancer. And pretty, pretty uh, good at it. Uh, was she fairly good at it? Well, she would rush right out of sessions to go right to that dance class. So I don't know if she's okay, well, good at it. She's, 
She was well, pretty that committed. Was, but, but that was okay. Well, she probably her strength then somehow or other. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally, totally. And probably looking to dancing school as I would imagine. Um, but um, there was she hit a kind of a breaking point a little bit um, uh, where she felt really overwhelmed with the homework and and the, and the session length. We were meeting her for two hour sessions once a week. And, you know, she, she, she broke down to the mom and then the mom called me and she said, you know, my daughter's kind of losing it here. You know, she's, she's kind of anxious, you know, with the dance and the, the, her exams. And, and now she has all this SAT homework. And you know what? I listened, I listened to the parent, right? And I said, look, you know, why don't we go back to, why don't we go down to 90 minute sessions? We don't have to do two hour sessions. You know, this is about the child. I want her to feel good going to this test. I don't want her to feel overwhelmed. I don't want to feel like, I don't want her to look at this, this test like it's torture. I want her to do her homework. Can you promise me that, Mrs. Smith? Yeah, sure, sure, she said. So we went down to 90-minute sessions about halfway into our relationship together, and that paid dividends. She, she came into sessions refreshed. Um, she, she, she increased her ACT score four points. Um, and the mom, like, left the most glowing testimonial um, the other day. Just saying, you know, this is, you know, you guys did a great job listening to my students' needs. I, I feel very comfortable with you guys. Um, I, I know that you're looking out for what's best for my child. You know, I highly recommend it. And I'm going to use you guys again, you know. So that, that was the best compliment we could have. But this is an example of a kid who wasn't a great test taker. She, she, she maximized her potential. And, and we adjusted according to, you know, what was best for her. You know, and and and, uh, and, and, and most important, you got the parents on board. We got the parents on board, you know, um, definitely. Yeah, we don't we, we and we always keep parents in the loop because we send a session detailed session report after each session. And uh, what's in the session report is, you know, when was the session? When did it take place and where? Um, you know, did the, did the kid do the homework? If not, what wasn't completed? you know, accountability piece. Right. And then, uh, you know, it was done during the session and how she's, how she did and any, any extra notes. And so we just make sure that everybody kind of acts, uh, like a team. Yeah. I think that's mm -hmm. the best way to go. Best way to go. Keep everybody yeah, in well, the loop. Yeah. Well, that's back to what we were talking about earlier on. Let him be a kid. And it uh, sounds like you managed to do that. Uh, the comment, uh, on the chat was, uh, and it probably been nice to do it, but not tactful is to tell the parent, uh, I told you so. <laughs> but those great. are feelings yeah. best kept to yourself sometimes <laughs> when you're in that relationship. Well, the yeah. parents. Yeah. Definitely. Well, uh, the parents, you've heard the term and probably seen it, uh, the term helicopter parents. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that about probably like in 2007. I was like, you know, what, what is that? What is that thing? You know, uh -huh. but yeah, yeah, I've heard quite a bit since then. <laughs> yeah, well, you've probably seen some. That first parent sounded like that. Uh, I've heard another term some people have said, oh, helicopter parents, they're not just hovering, they're snowplow parents. They're coming <laughs> and taking over. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it yeah. has gotten to where colleges, uh, I understand some colleges now have a, basically a sort of a dean of parents to handle parents that are still heavily involved, not only in the test taking, getting into college, but involved with choosing courses and all that. And it's becoming a real problem for some of the colleges. Uh, so, uh, it seems to be either a growing phenomenon or, or something. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, that's that's amazing that you kind of um, 
separated them into snowplow and, and helicopter because I think both present different kinds of issues um, that could backfire um, as a result of being one of those. Um, so it sounds like a helicopter parent. I, I, I personally would rather deal with a helicopter parent. I mean, if you're going to be a little overly involved, that's fine. But it sounds to me like what backfires is that when the kid goes to college, he might not know how to write his own essay because the parent was kind of helping too much. You know? And that's what's happening, or they can't make a decision without calling the parents and with cell phones and our modern communication. Uh, it's very, very easy to keep keep in touch with the parents, even if you're across the country uh, uh, from them. Um, now, most of the parents that come in, that uh, they have the gold or hopes of, uh, of an Ivy League, Harvard, as you mentioned, but I presume Yale or some of the others are also on the list of the parents. Do most of them have that? Uh, what sort of percentage of parents come in and want you to do the best for the kid? Uh, I guess the silver lining type parents. And what percentage come in and say, I want you to get him into Harvard or whichever? Well, I would say about I would say about a third of the families are families with who are who are who are just have awesome expectations, you know, healthy expectations mm-hmm. for the for the kid, where they're just like, look, I want the kid to do the best he can, and uh, I wish I could say that was that that were like ninety five percent of the parents, but it's just. That's about a third, 33% of those are, are, are those parents. And then I would say 33, I would say maybe about 33% of the, of the parents are snowplow parents. They're a little dominating, they're a little, you know. And they're the ones, they just, and they're they, the ones that make, and they're the ones that make you say that, I wish I could just talk to the kid. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. 30, yeah. Mm-hmm. 33% of the time I'm saying that basically, but, um, yeah, I, I, um, you know, that, you know, and, and again, I, I, I don't know exactly why, you know, the, the theory behind why parents are like that. Um, but, and, and I don't want to characterize it and just say, Oh, it's because, you know, they're all go to Harvard. It's not the case. I'm not that tutoring company, by the way, but I think that there is this you know, sense of everybody just kind of wants their kid to be an Einstein, you know, they, they, and and I I don't know if it's necessarily because they themselves were very successful. I mean, we do have a lot of successful families in New England who hire, who hire tutors and hire hire tutoring Mm -hmm. companies and stuff like that. But, and and they're just setting this unrealistic bar, uh, you know, for their, for their kid. I think that's the 30, other 33% that I, that I deal with. And then everybody just kind of falls in the middle, you know? Mm-hmm. Everybody else. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And another observation I found is, um, you know, the parents that do the best job with their kids um, tend to be active, active parents without being overly involved. But, um, you know, I have an example, like, like I had a, I had a extremely wealthy client once and they still stand out in my mind because they, like, I, I mean, this house that I used to tutor in, okay, uh, was like their kitchen was bigger than my house, okay? Like, it okay, was. Yeah, I, 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 I've seen some <laughs> of those mostly from a distance. Yeah. Um, so you, you would automatically think, you know, your stereotypes are kind of like, you know, the radar is going. You're thinking, like, well, these parents are going to be like, you know, the, the kids are going to be like jaded or something like that and not, not relate with, you know, everybody else. It wasn't the case. Um, the parents, the, the kids were very well grounded. They were well traveled. 
Um, and the parents were, they were active parents. Uh, they weren't like, you know, I mean, the dad was like traveling a lot, but he, I saw him on weekends and the mom was there every day. And these, the, the, it was a happy family. Like they, the, the, the fa- all the kids were different, different skill sets, different test scores, you know, different abilities, but they all had a home. They all had a school that they were happy at. Um, they were all loved and the kids were happy. They all went on trips. Um, they did fun things together. Um, another, another type of family that I find does a good job with their kids is parents with, with, good, with a good sense of humor. Um, I have an example, you know, I have a fan, I had a family in, uh, in Wellesley who, I mean, the kids were, were good students, you know, I'm, the, the mom was, didn't put too much pressure on, on the, on the tutoring relationship. She just said, Hey, can you, you know, can you deal with my kids? They're, they're knuckleheads, you know, you know, uh, you know, they, they tend to clown around, but you know, they didn't, can you just get on them a little bit? It was just like very healthy expectations. And then the mom said, look, just do what you can with them. I'm going to love them still. You know, it, that was kind of like the, the precedent that the, the parents set. And it just ended up being a fabulous relationship. I mean, the kids were fun. We had a good time. We were, we were laughing during sessions. We were, but, but we buckled down and did our work. Um, but the, I think the common thread I'm seeing here is it, whether you're rich or, 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 you know, middle class or working class, I think the families who do the best are the ones who are there for their kids, supportive and, and accepting of their kid, no matter what test, you know, skill level they have, whether they're the poor test taker, you know, whether they're introvert, extrovert, the parent that accepts their kid and just lets them grow and be, be, be the natural kid he, he is tends to be the most successful in my experience doing this 12 years. You know, and you've used a term here, and let, let me ask about it and explain that a little bit, uh, what you're thinking is. Uh, but when you're talking about various colleges for these kids, you're talking about a home, and that has uh, totally different uh, uh, connotations, the term home, uh, and then it does uh, uh, when you just say the term college. So it sounds like you are looking at, uh, at a community, a, finding a community or helping the kids get into a place that's a community where they can belong. I mean, there's more to college than just, you know, trying to get a good job after college. I mean, it's, 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 it's learning how to coexist with other people, um, that, you know, that challenge you and, or people that you, you know, gravitate towards and want to build a community with. Um, so why not call it a home, you know? Well, I, I like the term because it is really, it's a community. You're going to spend, I would say, if it's a typical four years or, or longer, and you're going to spend it, you're going to make friends, you're going to have relationships, you're going to learn, you're going to grow up, all these types of things. And uh, I, I like the term, using the term home, you're finding, uh, the, you're trying to find a, I mean, you might qualified a little bit of college home you know like some people talk about a church home and then there's the home home uh on things but it, uh, the term home has some connotations and i think that's good to put it to a college that might be a good way to talk to the parents about it and say okay we're finding a home away from home for your kids when if you get involved in trying to help uh, help them uh, choose a college or prepare for a college uh so so i just wanted to say i like that and if you wanted to if i could get you to talk a little bit more about uh about that whole concept of college, because I think it's something that parents really need to grasp, but they're not talking about a place to get a job. 
they're preparing for a job. They're getting to a place where they're going to spend probably some of the most formative years of their lives. Ab- absolutely. Um, you know, and well, the first thing is, is, is there's, I don't know exactly how many colleges there are in the United States, but uh, last time I checked, there's tens of thousands. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and there are a lot, there are mo- many of them are very good ones. Um, you know, uh, I think one of the best things that I could have done for myself personally was go to a college out of state. Um, you know, I mean, I, I grew up in, you know, you know, high Michigan. school. Well, I started in Michigan, then I, then I moved to Boston, um, in, in the Boston suburbs. And then I went back to Michigan to, and, and I went to university of Michigan. But I mean, I think that, you know, um, it, it got me, you know, out of my comfort zone and, uh, it's a big school. Um, you know, and, uh, um, but you know, there, you know, you're spending four years with, with a lot of kids who are in the same situation as you, you are. You know, okay, let me, let me interject because we're just down to a couple, three minutes left uh, before we finish. This has been very fascinating uh, on that. But uh, you mentioned a client in Singapore. So do you work with parents? Uh, do you work with parents and kids face-to-face exclusively or do you do some through uh, the Internet, through Skype, uh, uh, long-distance communication? Uh, we do we do in-home and in-office tutoring and we do a lot of online uh, Skype uh, tutoring and test preparation where we, you know, you can see and hear each other on Skype and then we'll share an online whiteboard and do math problems and upload essays and, and work virtually that way. So okay, we work so, with somebody, so somebody wants to hire you, uh, yeah. they don't have to live in the Boston area. Oh, no, sir. No, 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 not at all. No, we work with kids, uh, you know, in the Middle East and uh, in Asia. And, uh, you know, we got a kid uh, um, recently in uh, in South Africa. That was pretty cool. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, well, you, have no, about, we work. you have about yeah. two minutes. So why don't you use it to tell people how to get a hold of you, maybe a little bit of a pitch for how you could help them. Well, well, I mean, we help you, we'll help you, uh, because, you know, we're a small team of tutors, uh, professional tutors. Um, you know, we have a lot of educational, um, tutoring experience and we'll work with okay, you how, one how, and how, on, and how, um, how would they get a hold of you? What's your website? I suppose that's the well, best way or phone number if you like. Yeah. Website is, uh, www.preppedandpolished.com. So prepped, P-R-E-P-P-E-D and A-N-D, polished, P-O-L-I-S-H-E ed.com shoot me an email alexis at preptonpolish.com or give me a call 781-753-9951 and also i'm online everywhere man just look look for me alexis abula <laughs> okay thank you very much we ran out of time alexis this is lon woodbury with the woodbury report and we're talking with alexis avila uh he's a uh, tutor he's founded the prepton polish tutoring so he works with parents all over parents and kids all over the uh, the world i guess and so uh be sure to come back next tuesday where we'll have uh, another guest to talk about kids and family and parents and how to handle problems that come up <laughs> 